If you're enjoying this episode, check out Fearless Fridays with Marianne, the podcast to help you transform past pain into present power so that you can heal your inner child and reshape your future. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Dannert in Rochester, New York. My mission is to see women worldwide live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Subscribe to Fearless Fridays with Marianne on the Jazzcast Pros Network, available right here on your favorite podcast player. And remember, you are a priority and you matter. To my brothers, are you working harder than usual? Do you find yourself stressed? Or you just simply need a rest? Where you can unwind and have an opening discussion of well-being, self-care, or simply just being a man in today's world. And join me on November 12th at the Charleston House, 120 East Avenue, where you can take off that professional hat, have a sip or two, maybe a puff, cigar, of course. I'm your host, Ra, at the Father Torch Podcast, where we advocate for the fathers mentally, physically, emotionally. Being a father is rough and it's hard, but it's even harder when you don't have self-care. So come on down. There's Charleston House, November 12th, Father Torch, be the dad you wish you had. Jazzcast Pros. With depression, it has a nasty stigma with it, right? Because most people think depression means you're weak, right? You, you can't handle it. You're not man enough. Speaking on emotional intelligence, it's a powerful tool. And we often forget about our emotions because we, we speak on spiritual, we speak on mental to a degree, we speak on physical, but double talk it, but we never truly speak on our emotional, especially as men. Generally for like the feminine or women, it's a little bit easier that the way that they relate to one another, they share things on their heart in ways that men don't do that generally, right? Like we don't don't generally sit down and have a heart to heart. So like that, that stuff builds and it builds day after day, week after week, month after month. From what I understand in my, my experience counseling people and from my own, my own experience with depression, I can tell you that like connecting, just connecting, connecting with yourself either through art or with another person can be just the beginning of, of figuring out how to handle some of this, you know? Absolutely. But it's hard to do that when we were conditioned as men in this society to be like, not only do we not share as much as women, but we shouldn't share as much as women. One of the things about depression that's so hurtful is that it makes you think that you alone are suffering and you're suffering alone when you get into community you realize you're not the only one welcome to father torch the podcast to help you the new and renewed fathers cope with anxiety and stress of fatherhood so that you can be the father or the dad you wish you had i'm your host ra founder of abimelech foundation an artist and a father of nine. My mission is to help help you reclaim your power and ease your mind or ease your concerns about being a father in today's social climate. Today's episode, is he just dumb or is it something deeper? I have, I have two guests today, uh, two important guests. One is Carl Finger, the podcast survivor in depression. And I have Joel Lesser, 
He's another podcaster of Unrevealing Religion podcast. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you. You're in. All right. Let me go ahead and give you a final applause if you came on through. (laughs) 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 Give you a final applause. You you came on through, man. You came on through. How are we feeling, Joe? (laughs) Feeling real good now that we got that taken care of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Let me uh, introduce Carl, Carl, Joel, Joel, Carl. Hey, Carl. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, Joel. I, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan or advocate for mental health and depression, especially in the black and brown men and men in general. So I draw you two brothers here, you two fathers and men uh, here to better discuss and better to have these conversations about depression especially in our men and our fathers. And I wanted to try to do this, excuse me, do it, not try, do this discussion and eliminate the taboo and dismiss these these myths of what depression looks like, what it sounds like, the symptoms, the everyday. So gentlemen, introduce yourselves and uh, tell the world who you are. Well, thank you. As Rasha Kim stated, my name is Carl Binger, and um, I am a licensed mental health counselor in New York State. I do a podcast called Surviving Depression. I'm a therapist, so I have my own private practice. And I also wrote a book called The Progressive Darkness for the Christian Losing Hope in Depression. And uh, I wrote about my experience with depression and uh, how I eventually came out on the other side of that. Um, I do have a Facebook group that's private for anyone struggling with depression. It's a supportive Facebook group of about, I think, six to 700 members now. And uh, I am happily married to my wife, Carissa. Yesterday made nine years, and we have three sons, ages seven, five, and almost two. Congratulations. Not one deserved applause. Let me go ahead and put that in there. <laughs> Let me go ahead and put that in there. He said, happily married. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Go ahead, Mr. Joel. Your turn. Thanks, Rod. Nice seeing you, Carl. So my name is Joel Lessies, and uh, I host a podcast called Unraveling Religion, which is about spirituality, mysticism, psychology, and what is shared in our human experience. I, like Carl, I'm a counselor, I'm a rehabilitation counselor, and have a private practice as well under the AGs, the the guise of uh, Education Training Center, which does individual and group counseling and puts on workshops and seminars. I also run Ground and Sky Poetry Series, which is a monthly poetry series that has no mic, no list, no podium. It's organic discussion of life through poetry with sort of my contribution to build uh, sacred community. It's it's built in trust. It's a very trusting kind of roundtable or circle, and uh, a lot of good stuff comes out of that. My work experience is in education, psychology, and counseling for people who are sort of marginalized by trauma, addiction, and psychological distress, and the effects of those things, including incarceration, homelessness, and institutionalization. And I'm really dedicated to reframing uh, mental health distress or mental illness is a potential marker, spiritual marker of a gift, like a certain sensitivity that can be with a shift, shifted narrative that people have a gift or a sensitivity that is nurtured can be beneficial to our community and to the individual. So, all right, all right, and that one deserves a 
I clap. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I think I made a great decision of putting you two guys together mm-hmm. and having this conversation and breaking down these barriers of which most of us um, don't know or have a vague understanding of what depression is. I'll start with you, Carl, and uh, Joe, you can jump in any time. What are some of the things about depression that most of us don't know? Well, before I start, I, I do want to say, Joe, man, that that everything you do, man, is just sounds excellent. And um, I can't wait to connect with you and talk about um, some more of the things that you're doing. It's well needed. And um, Rasha Kim, you shouldn't sell yourself short uh, because you're making a huge contribution to um, just just one by having this conversation, but uh, two by all the other things you do as well. And so um, as far as depression goes, I mean, I think there's many things uh, that people uh, don't know outside of, you know, the clinical realm and just in our communities. There are very fundamental, uh, simple things that people just kind of pass off as this is just normal. Mm-hmm. And I need to just deal with it. And so um, they don't take it really serious until it's really bad. Or even when it's really bad, they don't maybe necessarily take it serious enough. And it's a lot of times due to lack of education. It's symptoms in general. It's symptoms. Maybe it's resources. You know, when I was going through it myself, I didn't know what depression was. Like I heard about it and I was like, oh, it's just when people are sad and it's probably the result of someone passing away in their family or a big traumatic event. So it was like, if I could point to one thing, I think it's people think it has to do with something happening in your life. Depression has to be because something happened to you. Someone died, you got into a car accident, you had a brain injury, you broke up with your girlfriend, like something happened in order for you to feel that way. People rarely think it's like genetic or a chemical imbalance where it comes upon you at some point and you can't necessarily point to a situation, but it's actually a chemical imbalance. Mm. And that is a new way. I, I, even myself, I didn't hear any of that fashion. Wow. Uh, what, what do you think, Joe? I, I agree with all that Carl said. And uh, I, I feel like from a spiritual standpoint, it's kind of like, you know, I, I know... I know from my own experience and from a spiritual standpoint that a lot of times it's about connection. It's about a lack of connection. It's about, you know, not talking about what is deep in our heart and that builds and builds and builds. And then suddenly we realize we're just not feeling ourselves, or we're not feeling the same. And I, I think like that really just talking to a trusted friend or a trusted counselor can sometimes really take care of a lot of that, a lot of the depressive symptoms. Sometimes other things are necessary, but sometimes not, you know? Mm. So what I'm hearing is, is that it's not from one source or one element versus another that can trigger such a a feeling or emotional response, I should say, called depression. I know I struggle with depression and um, it's not always based on what someone made me feel or what I've gone through. Sometimes it could be unrealistic expectations. It can be something as simple as not feeling a hundred percent of you, right? You know, you go into life and you coast, you coast through your pain, you coast through your struggles. 
but you never deal with it. And uh, with depression being that it is, it's a ha- it has a nasty stigma with it, right? Because most people think depression means you're weak, right? You you can't handle it. You're not man enough. Yeah. And, and especially not men, you know, we they, they don't always address it, right? It, it gets it gets kind of sticky from there because we don't often know all the signs that deal with depression. Like Carl said, we we get the, the what's it the trending uh, symptoms, right? You know, sadness, uh, withdrawal, right? We we fall under these umbrellas, but we don't talk about the everyday and even the natural depression that happens that we don't often uh, speak on. Yeah. We don't speak on these things. I think if I could just say, uh, Ra and Carl, generally for like the feminine or women, it's a little bit easier. Like the way that they relate to one another, they share things on their heart in ways that men don't do that generally, right? Like we don't, <laughs> no. we don't generally sit down and have a heart to heart. So like that, that stuff builds and it builds day after day, week after week, month after month. F- from what I understand in my, my experience counseling people and from my own, my own experience with depression, mm-hmm. I can tell you that like connecting, just connecting, connecting with yourself either through art or with another person can be just the beginning of, of figuring out how to handle some of this, you know? Absolutely. I, I 100% agree, Joel. One thing I've been pushing on my clients and people I've encountered in ministry or just in Legman's, just mm-hmm. everywhere I've gone and talked to people since my experience with depression and even before, I've recognized the power of journaling. And um, I, I'll never forget how it started. My friend, I was uh, I stayed over at my friend's house in Buffalo think fresh out of college, I just stayed over with uh, him and his wife. And I, I saw on their fridge, they had uh, a list of things that they were thankful for. And I was like, do you guys do this every day? And he's like, every every morning, my wife and I write down what we're thankful for. And we, we try to write down things throughout the day. Mm. And I said, that's pretty cool. And so I kind of took that practice with me and it turned into um, not just writing down what I'm thankful for, but also processing my thoughts, writing down what what I'm afraid of, uh, what I'm happy about, what do I hope will happen in the next couple of years with my life, and just really creating that extended internal dialogue, not just within my mind and body, but out on paper, you know, and then um, I think just naturally over time, uh, as Joel is talking about the positivity of relationships, I've seen that over time. It's like the more vulnerable we are in getting down to the root of what we're feeling mm-hmm. and expressing ourselves in a safe way, it deepens who we are and it helps other people as well. But it's hard to do that when we were conditioned as men in this society to be like, not only do we not share as much as women but we shouldn't share as much as women. <laughs> if you start to do that, then you are in fact a woman. And so, so I've seen the benefits of it. And I try to encourage people all the time. Like you got to find a medium to where you can 
put this stuff on paper, on a whiteboard, talking with a friend, talking in a group, you know, poetry, writing music, singing. Like if you put it out there and you start to um, engage in this aspect, you're actually going to benefit from it very deeply. You know, it is beneficial to um, to have these things. However, we don't have the space, nor, nor are we taught to do that. Right. And. It's often a double-edged sword when it comes to such things. Yes, we should be vulnerable with one another to the degree that to let out or to discuss or even just to have someone listen outside of our own box, right? But we don't we don't have those we don't have that because we have like you said, Carl, we have we have a society that has given us a reality that is so distrusting. And disgusting at the same time. Yep. We can't even we can't even have that that one piece of moment of healing because we're always on the grind of something. We're always on the move, and 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 what's expected is not necessarily um, unrealistic, but is unjust. Right? It's unjust because the only time you're gonna get rest is when you're dead. Yeah, and that's the mentality. That's the the message hidden subliminal. Music is <laughs> yeah. it's everywhere, right? And I love the fact that Joe talked about poetry and, and you talked about the journal. And it's still a form of art, right? And expression. But we don't have enough of that because now, even more so, we put a dollar to it. So your healing has a cost, right? Yeah. Your your self-care has a cost. So if you're not a... A booming artist, or you, you're not a trending artist. Your healing becomes another stress factor, right? Yeah, right. Because capitalism has taken over everything, even if something is self care. Yeah, Rob, that's so true. And I, I think one of the things that I'd like to say real quick is just you know one of the reasons why I do the Ground and Sky Poetry Series in the Roundtable. There, I I say this that curiosity is the invitation and there's no charge to it. I don't make any money from it. I don't charge anything for it. It's all sort of an organic reach just for people to get together. And what poetry does, Carl and Ra, is that for, for me, it opens up the, you know, there's the, what we can normally talk about in conversation, but when you, when you throw a, the spear of poetry in that, it pierces that and shatters it. And then you open up the, the terrain to like, what's real, what's really going on for people? You know, what, what who have you lost or like what, what losses have you suffered or what are you enduring or, or what has happened to you? You know, and yes. people write about this in, in poetic, in poetic ways through poetry. And it, and then it, what you discover is that you're not alone. So you think like one of the things about depression that's so, hurtful is that it makes you think that you alone are suffering and you're suffering alone oh, yes. and when, you, when you get into community you realize you're not the only one Absolutely. that is so true man yeah. <laughs> so true it always makes you feel you are alone it's kind of like a um a domestic dis dispute right or a situation right i would draw you from what can heal you right but you're doing it to yourself in this regard right you withdraw from everything that remind you of you and you feel alone so there's no hope which can lead to so many other things i mean the fathers that i see and fathers that i interact with i myself could say yes they're struggling with depression 
However, what type of depression is a different story. And the fact is that I cannot diagnose them, but I do put them on the awareness that, you know, you're struggling. It's okay. It's okay. There's, there's people like you and there's people, that's the people that's in front of you. I myself who struggle with this very same, I should say feeling, but not so much situation because your trigger might be different from what triggers me. And I try to give them a sense of belonging so they don't feel that they're alone, but it's still up to them to want to seek help. Absolutely. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, no, what do you guys sense. think? Yeah, very much, Ralph. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta seek help. One of the, I guess, phrases I coined is like, people always say like misery loves company. And it's oh, like, yeah. I get that there might be some real miserable people out there who just are toxic and don't like other people. I said, but when it comes to depression, it's not that misery loves company. It's misery yearns for empathy and understanding of what we're going through and what they're going through. And so I think people, they think of toxic people that they've met in their lives. And they're like, oh, that person's just so depressed and a Debbie Downer. And then they project that onto people who's actually going through depression and they say, well, you know, misery loves company. Mm. It's just like, nah, man, like, like with clinical, like depression, it's like you, you just really want someone to understand you on the deepest level because you feel so alone. And, um, and you know, just, you, you have to get that help though. You have to, you, as hard as it is with motivation, especially you have to push yourself and, um, other people around you, if they're there, have to push you as well. Um, because it is like climbing a uh, Mount Everest with no clothes <laughs> on at times. It just, yeah, I yeah. so Mount Everest, no equipment whatsoever. And it seems like an impossible task. So let me ask you guys, how is it important for treatment such as medication, talk therapy, workshops, right? Art. How important is that? When it comes to depression, or, or do you feel that is um, something that's forced upon people that doesn't uh, necessarily take it well? Um, I think they can all be very important. I know for me, from my own personal experience, from talking to other people, I think every person is unique. And what works for me may not work for you. So even in a Facebook group, when I talk to people about this, I think at one point someone said to a struggling member uh, in the group, uh, you should just smoke weed. (laughs) um, That happened at a barbershop talk too, by the way. I told people before the talk, I said, someone inevitably is going to come in here and say, man, you need to just smoke some weed. And sure enough, 40 minutes into the talk, somebody said, man, you need to just smoke some weed. And the whole barbershop erupted in laughter. Like, oh, my God, he just said that, Joe. He just said that. (laughs) And I'm like, I told you, because especially in the hood where that's like people deal with a lot of their problems by just smoking and drinking, Mm. smoking and drinking, listening to music, smoking and drinking. And it's like that doesn't help. Like it may it may help some people, like in a sense that if if someone is dealing with depression and they smoke weed, it might help them temporarily. 
Um, it, it would, but, but telling someone to just smoke weed would be equivalent to me telling someone to just go on meds because mm-hmm. medications might not help some people, you know, mm. uh, medications have helped me. I've been on medications since 2007 and, and they've helped me the entire time. Mm. But that doesn't mean I'm going into every situation saying just go on meds. So right. I wouldn't encourage people to smoke weed just like I wouldn't just say go on meds. But what I would say uh, universally, if you exercise, if you eat well and you have a really good sleep routine, that's something you should have. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that you shouldn't have those. And then getting into counseling, I think, would be good, too. Then you start to get into other like additional things where mm-hmm. I think they could kind of be optional. Uh, medications might be necessary for some people. Medications may make some people worse. Medication. Yeah. It may take a, a trial and error period with medications. Um, so true. I typically don't just say go on meds. But I also tell people, yeah, don't just go smoke weed either, you know. Right. <laughs> hey, cures all cures, right? Just, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One one method for everything. Uh, yep. the, the the ability to escape and to um go into an alternate reality realities and that self medicated mentality, you have to admit it, it it comes from depriving access and having some type of relief, like you said, is a band-aid. And once you're no longer high or inebriated, you know, then you gotta face a reality that you did not did not handle or even, you know, consider any any kind of help, now becomes a burden. Yes. It becomes a burden. And I hear that a lot, you know, just smoke weed and you should be fine and especially like you said, like barbershops or certain gatherings. Even in a club, you know, somebody might say they have an issue or a problem or they're actually going through something and they have a trusted friend and the friend is talking to them. And the first thing they say, we, we have this absolute um, solution to everything. We say, man, let's smoke some weed. Oh, you know what I would do? I drink it. I can't think no more. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. that's not even a solution. You just pretty much numbed yourself for the temporary moment, creating another problem with the problem you did not solve. And now you have a double whammy. Yeah, and and the thing about that, that process of trying to handle your the condition of depression with weed or drinking, eventually you learn it doesn't work that well, you know, or generally it doesn't work that well. But like I think a lot of it boils down to like depression can come from us infinite number of ways. It can come from biochemistry, it can come from events it can be circumstantial it can come from childhood stuff it can come from being mistreated it can come from poor diet uh, and not taking care of yourself it can come from not hearing your inner calling which i think is a big one one thing depression sometimes can do is slow someone down to a place where they begin to re-examine stuff Mm -hmm. uh, because maybe it's correcting their course you know and um it's Depression is terrible. It's awful. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's debilitating, but there are, you know, I always try if I can to, uh, give the possibility or hope that maybe there's some reason also for it, that if you can find some benefit to looking deeper into yourself or to listening deeper to yourself, that maybe you can make something good out of it. 
That's interesting. I always thought that depression was normal to a degree because it is a normal effect, uh, a normal chemistry. However, how low you stay in there or how long you stay in the low and how long you stay in the high. Most of us don't think about the high in the depression because we often are uh, shown that depression, you're always low. And we don't even get to the, we haven't even gotten to the manic side of it, right? So we always, always introduce to the Eeyore mentality, right? Okay. You know, how Eeyore is doing uh, in Winnie the Pooh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think so, maybe so. And, you know, just, yeah. it's ironic that he's a donkey too. Right? <laughs> Highly stubborn, but you, right? But so, you know what, though? I think. <laughs> I'm just speaking from my experience because, uh-huh. you know, I did have those highs, even though they were very infrequent. Yeah. I think the reason I couldn't enjoy the highs is because I know the lows were coming right back, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was just like in that state of misery, like I'm going to try to milk this high for what it's worth, mm-hmm. but part of me can't even really enjoy it fully because I just know the darkness is going to come back. You know what I mean? And so it was even hard to enjoy the high, you know? It's hard. It's hard, especially, but most of us don't even know there's a high and low in this. We think it's a straight barrel, you know, Kamasaki style of, you know, you know, depression, but it's a high and low and persistent depression disorder. What was the other name? Uh, Dice? I think it's dystymia. Dystymia. That particular depression, especially black and brown men, deal with every day. And you know what we what we diagnose it with? Oh, he does a jerk. Oh, that guy is a, you know, uh, a real a-hole, right? You know, because he has a downer by everything or he's negative, but yet he's functioning. And he's literally functioning depression. Some people, some people, they talk a certain way, they act a certain way, but they maintain a certain level. But they, they just kind of like just a little under the radar, but yeah. not enough to say they depress, and not enough to say they are bipolar or you know things of that nature. And it's amazing how most people in the city slums or just poverty stricken are misdiagnosed. And never looked upon as having depression because they are functioning. That double standard thing again. They are functioning. You know what I mean? They're not. Um, they're not the classic. What we think we un- we understand or know about depression, like the title, is he dumb or is something you know something else deeper? And we look at this, and only when they are matic or going through you know the highs and lows, do we say, oh, maybe something's wrong. It's a good point. And it's sad, too, because, one, these individuals aren't enjoying the fullness of life and the fullness of their potential. But, two, it opens people up to violence and abuse. And, you know, I think I've said this a couple of times, workshops and classes or whatever for the past two years is like, man, if we just started in the inner city or any impoverished area, if we just said, Let's work on emotional intelligence. We, you know, we can work on law enforcement. We can work on the school system. We can do all these things. But if we just start with emotional intelligence and counseling and mental health, I think we would see 
a tremendous change in people's behaviors because oh, they'd be able to, they'd have this emotional health and awareness to where a lot of things that kind of pop off wouldn't necessarily happen as much because people would know themselves better. Mm-hmm. They know their triggers. They know what state they're in. They know what to avoid and when to avoid it more because of their state of mind. Yes. And I, it would take a, a lot. Don't get me wrong. But could you imagine if, you know, 60% of inner city population was like sufficiently emotionally intelligent and healthy and had mental health needs met, what that would do to crime, education, and things like that. You know? That would be uh, that would be powerful. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think, um, if I recall, Joe, we did an interview on that, speaking on emotional uh, intelligence. It's a powerful tool, and we often forget about our emotions because we, we speak on spiritual, we speak on mental to a degree, we speak on physical, but double talk it, but we never truly speak on our emotional, especially as men. Yeah. We think it is only the three realms, but it's four, and four leads to too many others, yes, but these are the four main realms that you must keep in balance, and we, we as men, we drop the ball on this because we emphasize or focus on one of the, the four, one of the three, but never all four. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Never all four. And we find ourselves so unbalanced. We are emotionally uh, disturbed or destructive or, you know, we self-medicating because somehow uh, smoking and drinking resolve our emotional healing. Whatever, that's, whatever that message comes from, where did it come from? I don't know. All I know is it's a big, big misunderstanding, miscommunication, yeah. distraction, and it's happening every day, and yet we don't speak on it. We say war on drugs, right? But that's mass incarceration. We say, yeah. you know, um, self-help and, men, uh, and uh, mental health, but that involves medication, right? Because they, they push that more than anything else. We say go to a therapist and talk to a counselor, but don't forget about the medication. It's like, <laughs> it's nothing clear. Everything is always clouded, but we never say, Let's speak on and um, about emotional intelligence, and let us try to heal. You know, one thing at a time versus checking on a mass of problems at one time. Yeah. Oh, what I love about the spirit of what you're saying is that it's giving people tools to connect with their themselves, their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And because if people are truly genuinely genuinely connected with themselves, then they're able better to handle the stresses and the pressures of what builds up day after day, week after week, month after month. But when they don't have that insight, that stuff builds, we all have a threshold, we all have a breaking point, it comes and then you see you see different ways of acting out and violence and and just bad choices because people are just fed up. They've just had enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my little small corner of the world um, I just try to make it and normalize men being able to express themselves. I know there's, you know, friends of mine from high school or college, or I'm pretty positive there's some men from all those arenas who uh, see me expressing myself and thinking, ah, that's 
that he coming off as weak or that mm. kind of sounds like mm. a woman. And it's like, dude, I don't care. Like, I'm I'm not doing this for you specifically. Like the people who are talking bad about it, I'm not doing it specifically for them first. Like my primary concern is for the men who are feeling like isolated and are like they maybe they've come to a point to like, you know, where Joel is mentioning it, like a really healthy self-awareness or some of those first steps where they're like, man, I really feel like I get great benefit from touching on this realm of my life that I have not done so yet or haven't done so as often as I should. And so I'm talking to those men first and then the other guys, hopefully over time will be like, yo, like I've been down on this for a while, but I'm yeah. kind of opening up to this now. And I think it'll actually be a benefit now. But, you know, in the meantime, it's like, man, I can't really get wrapped up with what you guys are saying because I've been that guy before. And it's not healthy if you can't fully express yourself as a human being. Like if you block up and lock up parts of you, that's essential to being a human. Mm-hmm. You're not fully being human and therefore you suffer more. But I feel like I need to unlock and not block this emotional element and be fully human. And now I can fully thrive, you know. And Carl, you're building the bridge to those who, who are looking for the bridge. And that's important, man. That's Absolutely. really important. Yep. Building that bridge, that healing bridge, right? That bridge of non-judgment and yep. the bridge of like you said, being human, like yeah. it's okay, man. You know, if you feel pain, you can say, ouch, right? Yeah, you can exactly. say it. You yeah. know what I mean? You can express that. It doesn't yeah. make you weak. Wow. I mean, I'll make this a part one, part two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, this is great. This is great. I, I like the dialogue. I like the, the chemistry. So I'd like to thank my guests for showing, for coming and, and giving, you know, us, the blessing knowledge and the, the understanding of depression and the theme, you know, is he just dumb or is it something deeper? Hopefully this title alone would help you to understand that it's simply not always what you see is the problem. It could be deeper or it could be just, he just a knucklehead. I mean, <laughs> you know, tries and tribulations and overstanding yourself. Again, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you, guys. And you guys, you guys has made my day right now. Thank you. I, I needed this myself. Uh, we got to do this more often. Uh, let's, let's not make this a one-time thing. That sounds great. Ralph. Sounds great, man. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Stay healthy. Many nice blessings, blessing. Carl. Yes. Many blessings, Carl. Too, Take good too, care, too. Rob. This is a, a beautiful um, discussion. Hopefully you uh, you enjoy and please leave a comment. Don't be shy. Don't don't shy away. You know, if you have any questions, any feedback, please reach me back at fathertorch.com and join me for the next episode Sunday. Streaming live on your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Enjoy and be blessed. Father Torch out. Guidance.